What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. I'm a huge hockey guy, but uh, oh, okay. I'm a, actually a bunch of kings last night. Went to the comedy store to see me. So, uh, oh, nice. I was I was starstruck by these guys that most people wouldn't know who they are. So. Yeah are are you uh, are you a Kings fan? Are you or do you have another team? Um, I'm a Kings guy. Okay, now, although I was really digging the uh tampa bay florida series because they hate each other yeah <laughs> yeah that was that was fun i'm glad we uh we we won last night so we we pulled it off pulled off the series and uh yeah on to the next either carolina or nashville i think so yeah should be fun now you uh so i mean you are you been you doing gigs right now are you uh yeah yeah they uh in LA, um, I think they're forty percent capacity now. So uh, okay, uh, June fifteenth is the all clear. Like you walk in naked with no mask. Ooh. So we're just uh, high, uh, holding till then to experience the full recovery. Yeah, nice. Yeah, hey, here they've just recently uh, ended the mask mandates for stores and stuff like that. And it is, I still wear mine going in, but it is. It was a bit interesting, you know, restaurants and normally everyone has got face shields and all this stuff. And now since it's gone, all the staff is like, nope, done. I'm not wearing anything. And it is it was a bit jarring to see last which came over like maybe the last week or two. Um, so it's <laughs> the masks are off now. Yeah. It's confusing because I think uh like at the comedy store, you can tell people like, Am I supposed to wear it or are we good? Because uh, you can't uh, enter unless you show your vaccination proof. So, uh, you know, it's people are like unsure how to greet each other. Like, should right. we hug? Can we <laughs> hug her? So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, I, I I bought a uh, kayak uh, t- uh, the other day and like I was with the guy and I was like, do I shake his hand saying thank you? Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, we're both not wearing masks right now. Like, what, what, what do I do? I don't know what to do. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't end up shaking his hand. He didn't go for it. So I was like, all right, all right, we won't shake hands. That's fine. That's cool. Um, so yeah. Uh, what, uh, so you reached out to me, which I always enjoy was when we get, uh, <laughs> I was, yeah, Rick Overton. What's uh, what's your relationship with him? How do you know him? He the... is a legend to me. Like, yeah, uh, I can't even really put it into proper terms how much I respect him. Uh, just, I would do shows with him early on in my career, and I, I would usually go on before him because I'm less known, and uh, 
I would have a good set and in my head I would be like, follow that Rick. And <laughs> three minutes in, he made me feel like I had bombed. Like he's, like, <laughs> he's that good. And, uh, and then when I was on the Showtime show, I'm dying up here, which I was barely in, but I'm in it enough to say I'm in it. Uh, the first day of uh, the table read, I walked in and he was there, and I was it was just like, what, this is this doesn't work. People yeah, hang out for sixteen hours a day. Well, it's it's funny. He uh, we asked him like what he's most proud of, and he actually brought up I'm I'm dying up here. So, uh, and you were part of that. So there you go. You 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 did it. You made it, Rick Overton. You know, enjoyed work he did with you. So <laughs> there you go. I mean, it, it was like the little show that could like it just never really picked up the ratings. Right. And, yeah. You know, it, it's. Like you, you look at the cast that was in it. Um, you know, Melissa Leo won an Oscar. Uh, yeah. The some of the uh, I want to say cameos, but the guest starring like Alfred Molina and it, yeah, I was starstruck when he was there because he was in my favorite episode of Miami Vice. So I'm like, oh my god, you you played the lawyer in Miami Vice, <laughs> and he was like, I don't even remember doing that part. Uh, <laughs> and like Dylan Baker is like this legendary character actor he's in everything uh so it's still puzzling to me why it didn't really uh you know yeah yeah that's what he yeah that's what he was kind of saying he said like that the work that you know could have been with that is is some of the best that you know you know happen you know and it's uh yeah it's a shame that it didn't didn't go further how how's uh did you meet brad garrett he was awesome. We had a yeah. bond. I had a scene with him, uh, and it was a very quick scene. But uh, we, because he's from Vegas, or he lives in Vegas. I'm right. not sure if he's from there. Uh, and uh, I brought up the Golden Knights, and uh, he was like, "Oh, I didn't even go to the games, but they gave me season tickets on the glass." I'm like, "Oh man, uh, <laughs> can we hang out? <laughs> can I be your friend?" And he was very nice. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. "Oh man, I mean, I'm a fan of yours anyway, but now I'm really a fan of yours." Right. Uh, <laughs> and he was a. I thought he should have won an Emmy for his work on uh, the second season because he was. Uh, you could tell he was compiling uh, his character out of probably the people that he started with that were kind of down and out. He was rising, and uh, you know, but uh, I don't think we won too many awards either. <laughs> But hey, you know it's, it seems like it has more of a, a cult following, and maybe it'll it'll start to you know ruminate. Arrested Development did that, where it was like it lasted three seasons, but it like was revered by critics and everything. You know, you never know. You never yeah, know. With maybe these you'll things. end up on Netflix or something. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, yeah, but I think the problem, like all my friends were like, they had two problems with the show. One, uh, they're like, well. We don't get showtime. I'm like, well, it's not that hard to get. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not like it's the porn channel in New York, Channel J, where you had to. <laughs> don't, don't ask me why I know what the porn channel in New York was. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, they didn't know uh, if it was a comedy or a drama, you know, because they were like, well, it's not that funny. I'm like, well, it's not supposed to be. Like, comedy's a sad business, you know, in a lot of ways. Yeah, 
yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> very ironic that it's, it's that way. And, uh, yeah, the, uh, scrambled cable channels in Detroit for me were, uh, 87, 88 and 89. Um, but that's, uh, neither here nor there. Um, it's amazing how long you would sit and wait for just a glimpse, right? Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> I just remember the first time I went to New York and my sister took me from high school graduation and, uh, you know, I, I didn't know anything about the local channel, so I just turned on the TV in the hotel, and there was, you know, I, I, I don't even know how to, but there was a, a nightstick and a woman, and they were interacting. And, uh, <laughs> uh, like, I was like, this is regular cable, and I mean, this is wild. Like, <laughs> nice. And then uh, the guy, I guess, who ran the, the channel was, I'll never forget his name, Al Goldstein, who, uh, I guess is a legendary pornographer. (laughs) Started to make sense. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of going to segue into the movie. I mean, a little bit, you know, with, (laughs) with all that. Um, But first I want to get into a little bit more about you. Um, No, you you did uh, the, the Jeff Ross presents roast battle. Um, Yes. What, uh, how far did you get in that? Well, um, I got a little farther than Jeff and the network wanted me to go, but, uh, really? Yeah, I was, uh, um, you know, they kept putting me up against, cause I, I have a love of pro wrestling. So, um, you know, roast battle is not really my sense of humor. You know, I don't like to call someone fat or a whore or, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever physical abnormality they have. I don't like to make fun of it. I, I like to do that to myself. Right. right. Uh, yeah. But when I found out I could get on TV calling someone else that I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm on board with this. show. <laughs> um, well, if it's so, going to get me on TV, <laughs> I mean, I sold out, you know, I'm a big eighties metal head and like, I like bands like poison and rat. And, uh, I would all always hear those bands go, you know, we sold out playing that music. You know, I, I don't really like wearing black leather pants with a pink neon guitar, but I was a classically trained musician and I was making no money. So I had to, you know, play that, yeah. to make millions. And uh, that's how I kind of feel about Roast Battle. You know, I I sold out doing it, but uh, like I beat Jimmy Carr, who, who's probably the most famous comic in the world. Like he plays, like he opens up for the killers. Like he's like plays stadiums. And uh, I think the network was mad. I beat him. So uh, how, how did, uh, so that, I mean, this was back in 2016. How did they determine who, who won, who decided that? Well, I mean, I, I think they tried to, uh, it was done like the NCAA tournament. You know, you had brackets and you uh, okay. advanced and then you would, but they, uh, a little bit of pro wrestling, uh, it, you know, style uh, judging. Like they, they wanted you to advance. You would advance, uh, and uh, I think I put a fly in their ointment uh, plans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I kept beating people they wanted to see move on. And, uh, <laughs> the fly in the ointment guy won't go away. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I haven't been asked back on the networks. <laughs> Well, so you kind of changed your uh, your approach, but what's your? You, I don't think you mentioned what your favorite way of insulting someone is. <laughs> I 
it's got to be the truth. Nothing hurts more than the truth. So, <laughs> uh, you know, you can, um, uh, you know, like, w- I'll tell you what people would joke about on me. Um, you know, I was the oldest contestant, you know, I'm 52. So back then I was, uh, let's see, I went to USC. So my math is off. I was about 47. Um, and so people would do old jokes and then, uh, you know, my, to show you how deep roast battle can go, like my parents passed away two months apart in 1998. So people would hit me with that. And, uh, oh man, I, uh, I had, uh, there's like no limit. I mean, oh, it's brutal, but I, I did the same thing. I, you know, you, yeah. you research. So like if I back then was roast battling you, I would, find out any skeleton you had I yeah. would, like if you had an abortion i would interview the doctor uh so the, like uh, someone called me fat honestly yeah like you're like i don't like calling people fat but um you know <laughs> no, I mean, so there's literally no line with this like there's no there's... which is amazing to me that the show lasted as long as it did i mean we had um I don't even feel comfortable saying this now, but we had people who uh, may have been um, assaulted uh, in varying varying uh, forms. Those jokes were left in. Uh, I had a joke against uh, Tom Ballard, who's this very, very funny gay comic, and uh, Kevin Hart was judging. So I got all excited. I'm like, I'm going to do a twofer here. I'm going to do a gay joke and a race-related joke in the same bit. Oh. Uh, it might have been the greatest reaction to any joke I've ever told. Uh, yeah. But I don't even want to repeat it. Right. <laughs> because, I, I mean, I'm not big enough to get canceled, but uh, whatever fame I have would get canceled if I repeated the joke. <laughs> Maybe when we're done with the episode, you can tell us. Um. It's... <laughs> The greatest combination of two awfully, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I'll tell it. Uh, <laughs> well, I, going? <laughs> Life be damned. <laughs> I, I I edit, so if you ever want me to edit it out, I can. So, <laughs> I mean, you gotta, you know, because uh, there was a about two weeks ago, a, a comic did a, a joke that was on on tape, and it got him canceled for a little bit so maybe you know maybe i should tell it off there i'll do it off there. <laughs> you know he wants to tell it so bad i, know. I do so it's so I'm, good i'm writing and it i'm writing it down now so he tells it after yeah. um <laughs> uh, so b- basically what you're saying is uh this show could not come out in 2021 is what you are what you are saying i mean i know they still do the weekly show at the comedy store which you know i think they're uh not periscoped but uh I don't know if Periscope is still a thing, but that's when the show was really pumping, they would Periscope the battles. Uh, I I don't think it could. I mean, like the jokes, just to show you how wild the show used to be. Now, this is a weekly show, which is what Comedy Central saw and thought, let's get this on TV. Uh, The first, I think, year and a half on the show, if there were two white battlers battling, each one got an N-word and could say it. Uh, wow now, keep in mind the host <laughs> yeah i mean it was craziness like, yeah and the host is black so like yeah like, clearly <laughs> so it's so, my, my best friend yeah, is I mean, black was, so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it was there were no 
no holes barred. I mean, right. Uh, yeah, there were uh, one of the battlers I'll never forget had HIV in real life, and uh, he wanted to roast battle. And I, I, he didn't roast battle me, but I'm like, dude, if you roast battle and you you let people know your medical condition, that's going to be joked about. He's like, oh, I know, that's why I'm doing it. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> just just this letting you not, know. Just letting you know. This <laughs> is really not the show to do uh, show and tell with the audience. <laughs> did, did so you, you gotta get- be. I mean, to even I'm, I would assume not just for this show, but I'm, I would guess maybe just comics generally. You have to kind of, which I can tell you're sort of the, this kind of guy or all, which is you just have to be open and honest and be able to, you know, kind of lay, be able to admit your faults and kind of have them out there because that seems like the only way you could possibly survive this this business. Yeah, well, you have to uh, beat them before they beat you. So uh, you know, going into a battle. I knew they were going to do an old joke, so I would do one almost on myself first to lessen the blow of their joke. Uh, and, uh, you know, like my friend Ralphie May, who was a great, great comic. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what a shock that a comic would die of a heart attack at 594 pounds. But, um, <laughs> like, when he, he did. Boom, Boom. Yeah. roasted. I mean, he had uh, four. Um, you know, he was cremated, and boy, I would have loved to have been that guy to get that order. Uh, <laughs> right? At his uh, memorial at the improv, they had four boxes of ashes for him. I mean, I thought they were building a second stage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. But, like, he did roast battle, and he was not prepared for fat jokes. And he just got killed because he was like, I, I don't know what is. I mean, he was a dear friend, but. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was, yeah, he, he was a great guy. Like, he was big in here in Tampa because he was uh, friends with a local radio host here. Yeah. And um, he, um, yeah, you would think someone like that would expect that and has been struck, you know, has been through that his whole life. So it's like, how, how could you not expect that at least? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I mean, like, my, my aunt is Ethel Kennedy, you know, who was married to. Bobby Kennedy, you know, the, the second brother who got killed. Um, really? So, yeah. Um, so I don't say that to impress you guys. Right. But, no, but like, yeah, that's interesting. I know that if anyone's going to roast battle me, there's going to be a Kennedy joke. Uh, right. You know, somewhere in there where Earl's head is so big that if he was riding shotgun with JFK that day, he'd still be alive. You know, or like <laughs> something. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> That's a tame joke. Yeah, that's. that's... <laughs> oh man! Uh, I, well, I, I, I see here, uh, Ethel. She's still alive, ninety-three years old. Look at that! Look at that! Yeah, no, she's. Uh, yeah, she's still kicking. She's doing pretty well for ninety-three. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, I only see her at uh, weddings, funerals, and court trials. So, <laughs> how'd you? Uh, how... Go ahead. Those are the family gatherings. In yeah. Yeah, you know. It is what it is. How'd you get along with Jeff Ross? Oh, we hate each other, to be honest with you. But like, why? Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I try and get along with everyone, but uh, he's he. I mean, from you know, obviously he does all these roasts, but even so, like it, it doesn't seem like he's an easy guy to get along with. He seems very arrogant and. I'm never trying I mean, to get him on the show, so I don't care what I say. Um, 
I, you'd think we would get along. Uh, yeah. You know, like I was a fan of his before I met him. And then. Was it know, the like kind of thing there. where, is it the kind of thing where he thought he was bigger than he really is and kind of looked down on people? I mean, I think in my case, um, you know, I was one of the founding fathers of Roast Battle. So when he came on board, it was, I always got the vibe. And this goes, maybe I'm too honest for my own good, but I, I always got the kind of vibe from him that it was, okay, how do we do what Earl does, but not use Earl? And it's like, well, what? Like, I don't understand that. Oh, like, wow. Yeah, that's, yeah. just. So, just like what how about use me and i make the show better and you could keep going with it like uh but that's yeah. part of the business that uh i'll, I'll probably never understand uh yeah showbiz you know. baby yeah i mean uh <laughs> I, I don't uh I, I would think you want people who were good at you know uh what they're good at to stick around instead right. of uh you know yeah, particularly if you're good at it, rather than having like a target on your back or something. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I was too funny. I guess I, who, I don't know. I think that's that must have been it. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't have any allegations against me, so we didn't have a lot in common. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just I'm just too uh, funny. Do you keep a lot of friends, Earl? I'm probably one of the most well liked guys in LA comedy, but uh, not my comedy, but just like. I, I like I said, I try and get along with everyone, and sure, I'm, I love, I still love doing comedy for the art. You know, I, you do comedy for twenty years, you're not in it for the money. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, but I, I, I don't know if I have a lot of close friends because my interests are so, like even with the movie we're going to talk about, right? Like most, <laughs> most people's favorite movies are Jaws or The Godfather <laughs> right. or. Uh, you know, heat, not yeah. the Burt Reynolds one, but the one with Robert De Niro. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah well, no, I mean, I'm definitely... one of the things we do here is sorry, but I just want to, one of the things we do here is uh, we, we, we can kind of get our audience to get to know our guests through the movies that they pick. And I think this is one of the sleaziest movies I've ever seen in my life. Uh, so I think this, this will help uh, people get to know what kind of guy you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I do want to get into uh, the movie, but quickly, I mean, you said, you know, I just am very curious now, just because you said, you know, you were one of the oldest contestants and everything. You said you've been doing it 20 years. So you started in your late thirties comedy. I started at, uh, at 30 years old. So okay. which is pretty late to start. Right. Um, but you know, it's when I started and, uh, and all my friends, the people who got me to start were all my friends who were managers and agents at like the big agencies, you know, ICM, William Morris, CAA. Um, they were like, dude, just you're the funniest guy we know, Earl. And they had like gigantic clients like Jim Carrey. And I'm not saying I'm funnier than Jim Carrey. I'm not. But uh, th those are the kind of people they represented. And so that got me the confidence to start. And then as soon as I started, they all quit the business to get into real estate. So um, <laughs> those <Yes>. bastards, uh, <laughs> I'm Man. still pissed. Um, what were you doing before comedy? I was a private fitness trainer. Um, wow, look at you. And then which, 
you know, in LA is like saying you're an actor. I mean, there's a zillion fitness trainers there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, <laughs> sorry, one more thing I got to ask before we get into the movie. Why, why, when I Google you, so many things about Jeremy Piven come up? Um, uh, I, I, <laughs> I know it's, if it's too long, don't worry about it. It's no, like, <laughs> no, no. I'm trying to like, I don't want your audience to think I'm the a-hole. Um, not possible. But, you know, <laughs> well, <laughs> not with Jeremy Piven, his name involved. Uh, I'm just fascinated th- that he would get me too out of Hollywood. And his first instinct is, hey, I'll think I'll get into stand up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. And so he uh, he's uh, I don't think he's very respectful in the business. Uh, you know, it's like if I got me too out of comedy and I just said, hey, I want to start acting. Uh, you know i would be very respectful and okay i'm in a new field i'm gonna just be quiet and learn and be humble and uh like he bombed one night at the comedy store pretty badly which is no you know we've all bombed there but he just slaps me on the shoulder it's like hey bro you know i think i got this and i'm like oh (laughs) no you don't have it (laughs) no most people would be like I had a bad set. Maybe I should watch others who are better than me and learn. He was so delusional that he was like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, what do yeah, you do that's... when it's just not – you got a set, right? And then you're halfway through and you're just getting nothing. I mean, do you, do you just push through? Do you, do you leave? I mean, how do you <laughs> – like, how do you deal with that? When you're in that moment, you're like, I've lost these people and I don't think I'm getting them back. I push through, man. I'm a, um, it's the worst feeling in the world. Like it's, I always compare comedy to sex when it's going well, it's like coming. Um, but when it's not going well, it's like coming early. Uh, it just coming where, uh, anywhere, but where you should, um, I mean, you ha- you can't leave. I mean, right? Yeah. Just and with my type of humor, which is very dry, very sarcastic, um, I think you either get it or you don't. Um, so uh, it's it's like a, being a fastball pitcher or a knuckleball pitcher. Like if that's what you do, that's what you do. And yeah. yeah. If, you, if they're hitting home runs off your fastball or knuckleball, uh, you can't really throw a curveball. So uh, here comes another knuckleball. Yeah. Uh, hopefully you don't hit it out of the park. Uh, you just have to plow through it. And, uh, so you don't pull out a prop if, if things aren't going well? Um, I, you know, I did do that once. It was my first time at the comedy store, and I went to the Hustler shop, which used to be right down the street. Um, and I bought a huge dildo and thought, well, I'm going to use this in case I'm bombing. And I bomb. <laughs> so I'm like, Hey man, I know you guys don't like me. And it's packed room is dead. It, it's packed, but it's dead silent. So I pulled out the dildo and like, don't worry. Everyone thinks I'm a big dick. And it got even worse than that. Like, <laughs> they're like, Oh, hmm. But I mean, I, I never truly bomb anymore. I mean, there's certainly sets that go better than others, but uh, I'm lucky that, even, you know, 
and this goes to maybe doing it for so long. I, I've got a lot of tricks in my my comedy bag. So uh, so you know, yeah, like when when things aren't going, you you know what to, how to maneuver it and how to how to yeah. how to bring it home and stuff. So yeah, like if I have a joke that doesn't do well, or uh, if I have a and I definitely have a few jokes that you know cross that line of maybe being too soon. Uh, and some will say from the crowd too soon, my, my standard line. And of course I'm giving a trade secret away, but I'll be, and it's never not worked as, Hey, uh, I don't think that joke is too soon. Cause I was doing nine 11 jokes before the second plane hit the tower. And, <laughs> and it's never not worked to get the crowd back. Um, it's great. Except for one time, it went well when I said it, but after the show, a guy came up to me and it's like, hey, my brother was in Tower 2. And I'm like, oh, I wasn't talking about that 9-11. I was talking about uh, the mattress sale 2005, uh, <laughs> September 11th. And, uh, I don't think he bought what I was saying. I don't think that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you need a stronger you, one than that. <laughs> you just didn't get it. You didn't get it. You, you misunderstood yeah, I mean, me. <laughs> I, you know, obviously, you know, you don't want to upset anyone who's coming to a stand-up show. So, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do up there, like to to get it going again. Yeah. Now, all right. Sorry. Go ahead, Dave. No, no, Dave, no. go ahead. Because if you if if that was the case, I mean, not that you want to go to you know right to nine eleven, but you know, there's always someone somewhere who's will be affected by your joke. So then, you know, if you thought that way, then there would be no comedy. So. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, when I talk about my parents passing away two months apart, uh, you know, uh, there's probably the likelihood of, you know, like last night I was in a room of, uh, I don't know, 150 people. you got to figure at least one person's probably lost their mom or dad relatively recently. And uh, but there was humor in, in our situation because, like, when my um mom died first the uh the casket guy was like trying to sell me a casket like a, a car <laughs> he's like oh your mom will love it in here it's got velour carpeting and oh it's got God. lots of space i'm like uh she's gonna get smaller year by year i don't think <laughs> <she's gonna be laughs> the head space and uh and so then two months later my dad passes away because they were both pretty sick that sorry to bring the uh, podcast down uh <laughs> same guy selling me the, the virtually the same cast go oh, i know your mom's comfortable right now your dad would love this one and i'm like just give me the box bro yeah <laughs> just yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> car like this fucking guy again <laughs> yeah yeah i mean he had no more no remorse about trying to make a few bucks on death so, uh, uh, uh. so i do that story and but you know someone who's just lost their mom or dad or maybe an uncle or a brother like they might not find it uh, that might be literally too soon for them but uh but yeah i mean you you go to a comedy a comedy uh club and you know you gotta you gotta expect some of this stuff so um but uh but yeah let's uh let's let's get into the title of this episode which is 52 pickup 52 pickup from 1986 roy scheider and margaret uh john glover yeah a lot of a lot of people in this movie um uh so first of all 
uh, Earl. Why why did you pick this movie? You already showed us your memorabilia from it, but what? <laughs> there it is. There it is. Look at that. Uh, we're we're gonna you know break it down, obviously. But first of all, why why this movie? Well, I had a date in 1986, and uh, it was going reasonably well. And the girl said, "Hey, let's go to my house." She still lived with her parents, so I, I think the parents were uh, they're supposed to be out of town or something. Uh, so I think she was uh, saying, "Hey, green light, go!" If you know what I'm saying. Hey, mm-hmm. uh, hello. <laughs> so uh, you know, we go over there. We're sitting on the couch, you know, making out or whatever, and then uh, all of a sudden the door opens up, and it's the parents. They came back early for whatever oh, reason. God. And, uh, they're like, hey, Earl and Melanie, let's watch a movie. And I'm like, oh, man, uh, boner kill. <laughs> luckily, I'm not that luckily, kind of family. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely was not uh, Channel J in New York. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the movie was 52 Pickup, and I just fell in love with the bad guy, the main bad guy, John Glover, um, because he was. Um, the perfect combination of sleazy, little catty, vicious, funny. I mean, it was to this day the best bad guy role of all those qualities rolled up into one. I mean, it was a master class on how to be a I don't want to say just from the eighties, but a bad guy in in that type of role. Yeah. No, I I can see how you would think that. Now, I, I you know, confession time. Uh, when you brought up this movie, that uh, th- I prepared for the show and watched the movie. It was my first watch, my first watch of this movie. So thank you for that. I always like watching new movies, even if they're from 1986. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is uh, one that I'm surprised doesn't get more attention and doesn't uh you know fall under the classic 80s action crime films you know obviously it's not cuz it's it's so much less campy than you know your your, your commandos and your 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 rambos things like that like it's an actual thriller um which i find fascinating like i i enjoyed this movie way more than i thought it would how about you dave uh, same thing. I, in fact, uh, I had never even heard of this movie. <laughs> when, when, when Ben said we're doing Fifty Two Pickup, I'm like, "What in God's name is this movie?" And you know, you, like, I think, uh, I don't know. I think a recent episode we just did. Uh, you know, we do movies like On the Waterfront or something like that. And when we had uh, Rick Overton on, we did Easy Rider. Um, and you know, I'm like, "Oh man, I don't want to watch this movie." And <laughs> but I'll tell you. I enjoyed pretty much every minute of this film, and yeah, I don't know what maybe I don't know if it's the nudity and all the I think maybe like the like kind of porn uh, production under. I mean, I don't know that I'm surprised or all that they showed this movie to you guys when you were kids. To be honest, it's a very adult movie that I don't think really gets made anymore. Um, that's kind of what I, how I feel. I, I mean, I think I just love the. I'm a big fan of casting, whether it's a big movie or, or a small movie, and. Uh, you know, I just think like if you take the bad guys, you know, John Glover, uh, he's great. Lance Williams, yeah, he was just he really sank his teeth into the role, uh, and uh, which is uh, there's a famous clip on YouTube of him at I think it was the original table read of Karate Kid 
where he was the sensei. He was oh. the Martin character. And I could totally see that. Definitely. Uh, um, and uh, Clarence Williams III, of course, was great in the Mod Squad. And, awesome. Uh, I mean, he's good in everything. Uh, so good. And then Robert Trabor, who is, I guess, the lesser known of the three bad guys. He's a great character actor. Uh, and in 52 Pickup, he played the perfect, uh, I guess, uh, yang and yang to Glover and Williams' viciousness yeah. of the, the nervous, sweaty, bad guy. We're going to get caught. We're going to get caught. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This guy, yeah, with his, like, blue eyes and stuff. Like, he's so, like... Uh... Uh, not menacing looking, just like uh, crazy looking. You know, it's just like what? It, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's such a Sweating such a right. <laughs> yeah, his name is and, Leo, and he has a gold chain that says Leo on. <laughs> <laughs> in case you forget, in case you forget. <laughs> and I drive by. This is the great thing about living in Los Angeles. Every day I drive by where he worked. That porn theater is. It. I don't think it's a porn theater anymore. Uh, but it's still there and it looks the same as it did. In the movie. <laughs> yeah. So like every time I drive by, I'm expecting to see like Robert Trabor working in the window. <laughs> now, one thing I didn't, I guess, ever know, I've never been in a porn theater or anything. Um, <laughs> what, like you could go in and, well, well, this was more of a club that they went to, but go in and just take pictures of the ladies like it, what, was that a thing is that a thing like what what's that about anybody well, back know? then it was like yeah. it was uh you could take i guess this was before um escorts and, and like prostitution were, were yeah. like you know you could just take naked pictures of uh prostitutes and and uh, you'd, you'd get the little pole. It was just like it was in the movie. You'd, you'd, they'd give you a little Polaroid camera. You'd, you'd take the pictures. You'd either strike up a conversation with the model and, and <laughs> go somewhere else with them, or you just, I guess, jack off to the pictures. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like it's pretty inventive. Like, it, it, yeah, I wonder if it, 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 I mean, I wouldn't think it was. It would be cheaper than buying a magazine, but I guess you're getting the first-hand experience first of all but also you could then you could then enjoy it later as well so um yeah, but yeah like, I, uh, <laughs> ordering food through a drive through i guess yeah <laughs> i found that uh very interesting but yeah uh, roy scheider's character you know he he invented some sort of um uh you know at the beginning we we see metal him, fusion yeah metal fusion um which goes to show his mechanical engineering abilities that we find out, you know, in the end of the movie, what, how that comes in handy. Um, but yeah, he's a, you know, metal fusion guy. And then you got his wife, who's this, uh, politician, uh, working for a politician and now she's up for office or district attorney or something like that. Um, and, uh, so yeah, we get, we get their, you know, little, little dynamic, uh, right at the start or you know what they do so it's a good way to to set that all up um but then uh you know pretty quick into the movie you get uh roy scheider getting uh getting uh stood up and shown this videotape and i think this is our first glimpse of uh glover uh who who you love 
and admire and um dialogue here <laughs> is hilarious and it gets kind of, it gets pretty dark too right they're showing him this videotape that they've they've been surveilling him with uh he's been dating kelly preston and he's like he's like in his ear you know you're all you're doing all this for for a young piece of ass he's like look at that body <laughs> well that's what like <laughs> I remember watching that scene and he's in the ski mask and he's like narrating, <laughs> you know, almost like he's doing a sports documentary. Like now here we are on Palm Street, <laughs> a low shallow motel. It's 40 a night. It's not a bad place. <laughs> and there you are shooting the broad. Ooh, she got a nice rack, Mitch. <laughs> That's so true. And it was just, his con, his uh, like snidey uh, commentary about, oh, she must drain you dry, Mitch. You got to stay in shape chasing that young pussy. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's it for some reason though, like for an eighties movie, like I you know mentioned Commando earlier, like that's so campy. You know, you got uh, you know other eighties movies like this that are so campy, but this like. You're kind of freaked out by this. You're freaked out along with Roy Scheider, which I appreciate. Um, I, I find this a lot less, a lot less campy than I thought I I would find it. And uh, secondly, yeah, I mean, I'm actually <laughs> like, yeah, as as freaked out as Roy Scheider is, which I think you know is a huge testament to the film today. Um, are you? Do you guys find this campy at all? I mean, there's certain aspects that are campy, but yeah, like uh, the movie gives you a wink and the no- a wink and a nod throughout. But it's sort of okay, and I think maybe movies are missing that now. You know, the the story itself is pretty dark and very serious, and yeah, I mean, John Glover's a little over the top, but it's good and it works. And you know, the parts where like you just kind of laugh along with it a little bit, not like haha, this is stupid. I mean, if something's a little corny or whatever. It's just it's just a part of the fun because it rem- reminds me of. Um, I recently rewatched They Live, which came out I think uh, within a year or two of this. And there's something about movies like that that didn't that could could tell a good story. And it, I mean, that one's obviously more campy, but. You're okay with it, and it works, and it, and I think that's that's kind of missing. I like I I really enjoyed what they did here. They also, uh, just quickly, last thing I'll say, they draw out the Roy Schneider character very well, right away. I mean, you you get a sense of who he is, um, and I think kind of almost every character they're not just flat. They have some some dynamic to them, and they're 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 a little bit deeper. Um, I think kind of what you're thinking too, Ben. Right? I mean, they're this yeah. is a deeper movie than than you would think uh, on first glance. Well, I think it's also what attracted me to the movie. By the way, I used to co-host a, a podcast with Roddy Piper from They Live, but that's another oh, really? story. Um, here is my uh, autographed bottle of uh, bubblegum soda that Roddy <laughs> That's um, awesome. But uh, <laughs> it, it was, you know, it's an Elmore Leonard novel, uh, you know, directed by John Frankenheimer. So the, I think the pedigree of the movie is like, wow, those are two legit mainstream uh people in their fields um so it wasn't just like a you know they paid two beginning writers say write us a movie about the porn background and generic bad guys and uh you know i I still puzzles me why it didn't do better um right but i think um a couple years ago i saw a documentary on netflix called electric boogaloo uh, and it's the a story of Canon Films, 
which uh, was who made 52 pickup. And uh, basically they said they had two piles of scripts in the Canon film office, uh, any movie for Chuck Norris and then everything else in the other pile. Mm. So they, what they were essentially saying was if it wasn't a Chuck Norris movie, we didn't care about it. Uh, uh, So I kind of got my answer because it wasn't really promoted that well. And yeah, I don't like the poster either. Because Roy Snyder's sitting there with a gun, and I don't think that really explains what the movie is. Because he's not running around with a gun the whole movie, and I don't even know does he even shoot anybody? Yeah. I think he hits Clarence Williams the uh, third when uh, they did the home invasion. Um, yeah, he's pistol whips him. Yeah, that's how many times uh, in Clarence Williams was like shit, motherfucker. <laughs> you used to serve him up drinks. I mean, I could recite this movie. Line for line, I've seen it. So, uh, yeah, we talk about John Glover who plays Al- Alan Ramey. Uh, you know, but Clarence Williams, man, he uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he's cool. uh he, he almost steals the show for me, villain wise. Yeah. Like, he's just you know, especially when he's you know, uh, interrogating the one chick, um, Doreen, yeah, 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 and she's uh, yeah, he's like pushing her with the pillow what did you say what did you say like this guy's scary man like this guy's like not this campy 80s villain like he's he's he means it you know he's yeah. uh he's you know definitely scary um another thing that's i want to go ahead that's what i like though about the bad the three bad guys it was almost like they were one bad guy like you had right the, the, the kind of funny used car salesman uh, yeah then you had I guess you'd call him the muscle and in Clarence Williams, the third, you know, the viciousness, the sweating, you know, choking her to death with the pillow. And then the almost uh, sidekick type in Robert Trabor that was just there for, I think the, the funny, uh, like a weasel, right? Yeah. Like the, you know, another version of a used car salesman. Uh, So, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's uh um, another thing I appreciate it, you know, with this is, you know, when Roy Sh- uh, Scheider decides to tell his wife that, uh, he's having an affair, um, it's not your typical trope of the girl, you know, throwing something in his face and like for being so melodramatic about it. I love the calmness of the scene. Like she soaks it in, she asks him, asks him questions about it. Obviously she's heard about it. But again, this is another scene where it's like, how did this movie not get more attention? It's just yeah. like, you know, it's it's laid out there. It's not, like I said, melodramatic. It's just realistic in a way, you know, it's uh, it, it's because as an audience, you don't expect them to hear. We don't we don't expect him to say that right away, you know, right at that moment. So right. we're we're kind of caught off guard the same way she is. Uh, so I appreciated that, you know again in in this type of movie and I, I i hate calling it this type of movie because i think this is a movie that more people should see and more people should uh revere well yeah i mean i think people forget how good of an actor roy scheider uh i don't want i mean i guess was i i still think of him as alive but uh right you know especially his 70s output you know with jaws and marathon man and and all his uh french connection like it's like and he had, and this is kind of a strange movie fact, but he had the De Niro role in uh, 
deer hunter. Um, really? Yeah, he was forced. I forget the, uh, I don't want to blow up the research. I think he wanted to get out of his movie contract with, I believe, Universal. Hmm. And they were like, okay, well, we want you to do Jaws 2 right now. And he's oh. like, and so he had to leave Deer Hunter, do Jaws 2, which, you know, it wasn't a bomb, but it, it, it certainly wasn't Deer Hunter. And it wasn't Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> the, the original. But that's um, how good of an actor he was. He was getting roles before De Niro. Yeah, um, that's crazy. Well, yeah, because I, I can't obviously can't imagine, um, you know, Deer Hunter without De Niro. But, you know, I can't imagine, you know, you, you, you think of say De Niro in the first Jaws, like I can't imagine that because Roy Scheider was so good. So it's like, you know, you got that balance there, but yeah, that's, that's interesting that uh, he had to take Jaws two to not do deer hunter, which one best picture uh, in was, yeah, just fantastic I, film. I think that's what separates 52 pickup maybe from other, um, more campier versions of the, of, you know, the husband cheating on the wife and yeah. the revenge ensues that the, uh, the acting pedigree of most of, if not all the actors in the movie um, was, was just better than your, your typical mid eighties uh, sleazy movie. Um, you know, Clarence Williams, the third, he's, he's like a, I always like to reference him as like the black gene hackman like he's good in anything you yeah. put him in yeah um, he does so, kind of steal everything he's in yeah yeah i mean he's got i, I met him once uh, he was at a comedy show at the improv i was on and of course i went right up to him and i said hey man you're bobby shy aren't you and he looked at me like no i'm clarence williams the third i'm like no man you're bobby shy from 50 <laughs> pickup and uh he, he laughed but then he Get the hell out of there pretty fast. Uh, <laughs> He's like, uh, this guy's a huge fan of 52 pickup. I got to leave. Uh, <laughs> nobody yeah, knows I this. I got to go. I'm, I'm Link from the Mod Squad. Uh, I don't think anyone will ever reference me as Bobby Shy ever. <laughs> um, so I was thinking that um, this could have been a role you might see Harrison Ford play. Um, right. And, but I think Roy Scheider actually does a better job. Um, but, you know, that's sort of um, a competent professional type man who then gets into a situation and, you know, maybe has to get his way out of it, which is, is interesting. And I, I, does that make sense to you, Ben? A, a, yeah. Yeah, no, Ford definitely. Well, yeah, Harrison Ford, I could totally see, like, this seems like his type of movie. Like, it's similar, you know, fugitive type where, you know, he's wrongly convicted, even though he necessarily he wasn't necessarily convicted in 52 pickup yet. But uh, it's a guy trying to prove his innocence and investigate on his own to who, who are the true killers and uh, how yeah. intent... Go ahead. I don't think we... Did we I don't know, did we even say they... they we kind of talked around it just for those who haven't seen the movie. Uh, they, they, they bring Roy or they Roy Schneider, they see him in the hotel. They play this videotape of him and they basically extorting him for not a hundred thousand, but $105,000. I'm not sure what, what they do. <laughs> it's not a round number. I don't know that one exactly. Uh, but they basically want it within, I don't know, some number of weeks. Uh, and they want a $10,000 down payment. And he, and that's when he goes to talk to his wife. Um, and it, he kind of realizes, and the first thing I thought of when they pulled out the videotape is because they say you get the tape when you give us the money. Well, they just make a copy and this, you know, and any of these kinds of things, 
you're never out, right? If you're being blackmailed, there's there's probably no real, they'll always keep coming. And this is what he starts realizing throughout the film is that it's never going to end because then it gets upped, right? They want a hundred thousand every year because they find out that he has some patent uh, where he's selling um, uh, the, the fusion metal thing to the military, which by the way, almost kind of pointless, but I love there are like five explosions in a field test, just really kind of for no reason other than just for us <laughs> to see it, which I kind yeah. of loved. They loved explosions. That's what you love about the 80s. Yeah. It's like that scene, probably unimportant in the grand scheme of the movie. Like you didn't need to, I think we all got, okay, he has a patent on metal fusion, but that's, you know, the, the genius or lack of genius of Canon films. Someone was like, you know, we should show them, the metal fusion process. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it probably costs, I'll guess that 22nd scene probably costs a couple hundred thousand to shoot. And then you right. start, that could have been better served in a commercial for the movie or something. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it's cool. Cause he's, he's telling his lawyer that he's being extorted. And as, he's like in the middle of this conversation as they're doing this thing. And I thought that was an amazing scene. He's kind of being interrupted by people like, does it need to be here, boss? He's like, oh, yeah, by the way, they want $100,000. And uh, <laughs> well, because because because, yeah, kind of like you were saying, Dave, like, you know, it, it just keeps going if you give him the money, because that's what even his lawyer says. If you give him that, then they're just going to keep going after you like they're just going to keep going at it. And uh, and yeah, it's um, but, you know, what I, what, <laughs> what comes next is he gives 10,000, but it's really not 10,000. He gives him like just a bag with right paper in it. Uh, not paper money. Um, and, uh, but that's when we get the holy shit intense scene of them making him watch a video of them killing Kelly Preston. That is Earl. How, how insane is this scene? Well, it's once again, I go back to John Glover. Uh, it's his side commentary on <laughs> the uh, the process. What, essentially, if you haven't seen the movie, they they kill Kelly Preston. They they make, I guess, what you would call a snuff film yeah. uh, to really blackmail. Uh, and this is where they go. Now it's one hundred and five grand a year for the rest of your life. And uh, you know, John Glover is almost doing like. <laughs> a commentary you'd see on a, a DVD of a, a bonus, uh, 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 you know, <laughs> scenes from a movie where he explains the movie. It's like, you see that blood, Mitch? That's not ketchup. When they rip her shirt off, uh, we want to show a little skin to keep your interest. Uh, this is, and... uh, for your interest or whatever. And, <laughs> <laughs> and this is where the, the credits would be, but we're kind of low budget production. Um, <laughs> but it's again so not camp. Like it's it's just the uh, characters. Um, I don't know. Just just it's part of the character, and which makes him so menacing and so in uh, that scene. So even I think it makes it even more haunting. Yeah, is him just casually talking about it. Yeah, I think it was this mixture of humor. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I was around in the mid eighties, unfortunately. So, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the bad guys of that time frame were, uh, cookie cutter, I guess you'd say almost, you know, they would have the one liners and, and, you know, they would like the bad guy from Cobra, you know, uh, the great Brian E. Thompson, yeah. the only person I've ever paid to do a cameo and it, 
it's completely off the subject, but it's the creepiest video I've had. Like, I think he was drunk in his jacuzzi, but that's another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, uh, the only bad guy I can really equate John Glover in 52 pickup and it's almost like uh, Alan Rickman and Die Hard. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, from the standpoint of his little bit of style, a little bit of humor, a little bit of viciousness, all rolled up into one. So, which is what I like. Yeah, and he's. Uh, what do we learn? He's uh, he went to Northwestern. He's basically like an accountant turned pornographer. <laughs> yeah, it just sounds reasonable. <laughs> well, it, it seemed like he he, but he has a violent streak and he's an abuser because I think they said uh, well he was arrested and convicted for rape or something like that. So he probably wasn't going to get a job as an accountant. <laughs> that. Yeah, not so much. So he found better ways to make money and that's when he put his fingers on the ledgers uh but strangely not because he drives a piece of shit car and apparently has no money so he has to uh extort uh extort extort (laughs) that's the word (laughs) but i love that car he drives i it's a i think it's a gto uh and i've always it's been my fantasy like not that I'm Jay Leno and have hundreds of cars in my garage, but like I would love to get a a, a mint version of that car so I could be Alan Ramey and drive drive right. around the streets. <laughs> do you do you, are you a car guy? Do you have any classic cars? I mean, I just traded in my Dodge Hellcat, uh, which was way too fast for Los Angeles. <laughs> Having a seven hundred and seven horsepower car. Jeez. with nothing done to it i mean it is i don't want to turn this into a car show but i mean it 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 was just too fast so uh i have a jeep now i'm an old man jeep (laughs) Uh, how about that jaguar that we see which is actually interesting too is uh before we talk about the jaguar but they the building the character of 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 uh, roy schneider the harry mitchell guy he has this little it's a it's a jaguar with a removable top right and we see as he's leaving the garage he's got this pulley system how he lifts up the top pretty smart guy right um i just thought what immediately that's that was an interesting touch i already know something about this character uh before we even see anything well i didn't even know that there was do you guys hear that sorry um the bing the dinging anyways uh i didn't even know cars i'm so not a car guy so i don't know anything about cars i didn't even know there were hard tops to convertibles so I learned something in uh, in watching this. So. That's good. <laughs> but the well, I, uh, do, I do love that scene because it kind of sets up the end of the movie, where you know where it establishes that like he's really into his car and he takes pristine care of it. Right. And John Glover is is a fan of the car, and yeah, you know, uh, it, it you know obviously you don't know the end until it happens, but it really made the end scene really stand out a little more. Uh, yeah. So. Definitely. And then, but yeah, I mean, with that video of them viciously, you know, just killing uh, Kelly Preston was just intense. And yeah, just, uh, yeah, just something was just like, wow, I was not expecting that. And that's what really sucked me even more into this movie. Yeah, because they broke into his house, stole his gun, stole his coat, and I think one other item. And then they, how about that, that, what they did, they set the gun up in a, I don't know, on something. And then with a, with a rope string, yeah, string pull trigger. Yeah. But that yeah, was just, so it's pretty rough. <laughs> just yeah. his commentary during that scene of uh, <laughs> when they unveil the gun. Oh, it's a 
It's a P9 automatic and it's yours. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you can pull the trigger without messing up any of the prints. We'll let you think about that for a while, Mitch. Now, here's your sport coat. It's a little ratty if you want my opinion. But what I want you to know is it's got your name on it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> well and i like how i i do you know that that kind of explains it to the audience but it it it, it, it also doesn't like fully say that uh you know it, it doesn't have your finger or, or you know it doesn't have our fingerprints on it it has yours so thus the cops will think that you killed uh this girl it's like not they at least know the audience is smarter than that or expect the audience to be smarter than that and don't just they just have the characters naturally just say stuff like that which i appreciated um but i, I love I when when scheider g- goes into his investigation because his wife wants to stop her campaign after finding out all this and he's like no give me a couple of days and that's when he goes to uh doreen uh and takes a picture of leo yeah. um and all that so you know he's starting his, his his little investigation and then i love how he interweaves their stories to turn them against each other like this is just it's brilliant like it's <laughs> I, I mean, we're gonna say it a million. I'm gonna say it a million times, and I'm probably gonna say it a million more times. I can't believe this movie didn't get more attention. <laughs> um, yeah, like it's a really good script. It honestly yeah. is. Well, yeah, cool. I mean, it, it goes back to like you know, Elmore Leonard. It's one of the premier novelists of uh, my generation. I mean, you guys are younger than me, but so uh, you know. And then John Frankenheimer's like. The guy who did Manchurian Candidate, like, yeah. So it, it's the. Uh, you know, you... I thought it was a better movie than Fatal Attraction, which did a hundred times the business. Uh, obviously, a bigger cast in terms of star power, but um, this is a better movie, definitely. Well, it, it's crazy, I, I, crazy yeah. what marketing does. It's crazy, like you were saying earlier, like how they just didn't market this movie. Like it's crazy how how important marketing is. Well, I think uh, I I would, I'll stick up for the Canon films from this standpoint. I mean, I definitely think they dropped the ball on marketing, but uh, this was a, of course, kids today would think it's a tame subject matter, but, you know, in in the mid eighties, basically have a mainstream film about a snuff film, blackmail plot was probably tough to go. Okay. um, Who's our target audience? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so, that's a tough one there. <laughs> yeah, especially like I think when Boogie Nights came around, not that it's a similar movie, but you know, just with porn as the back story of, of both films, that it was a little more uh, accepting when Boogie Nights came out of, of porn as a a main subject matter in a film, whereas mm-hmm. uh, in '86 it was still uh, almost a taboo subject to tackle especially the the snuff film angle yeah what's sorry it's a bit brutal there's a lot of nudity there's a lot of killing uh it's definitely an adult film and that's what i was saying i don't even know 
does this movie even get made or they don't make movies like this anymore at all that plus i i feel like there's you know i i feel like in the 80s they feel in or 90s too i'd say they felt like they had to have nudity in every single rated r movie whereas Mm -hmm. today like there's, I, I feel like they're way more concentrated on the story. And yeah, just, Earl, where do all the boobs go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's the question. Hashtag <laughs> well, where? <laughs> well, I think because it's so much more uh, available on the internet. You know, I'm, I guess I'm talking about porn, but like, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you've got sites like mytreecams.com. That's not like a <laughs> Dude, any other? Yeah, list them all. I have nothing to do with that website, but like. <laughs> I, I think in 86, uh, you know, the internet wasn't really fully developed. Um, so if, if you didn't see boobs in a movie, you, it was almost like a taboo uh, thing to have in a movie. It was nudity and, and especially graphic, the, the graphic nature of 52 Pickup, uh, you know, it was almost a dark, like now it's a tame movie, I think. Right, it, yeah. Well, you even yeah, even but, my you know in my early teens, like I yeah, like the only time I got to see that stuff was in rated R movies, like because it was so hard to find in my early teens. Other than that, yeah, you know, if I had to go to a friend's house that had HBO, or or even my grandma's house that had HBO, <laughs> and, and uh, <laughs> try to find it. <laughs> Dad, what are you doing down there? Nothing going on. I'll be done in about five minutes, Grandma. Be <laughs> Swatch on Pee Wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> it's funny though because you say it seems tame, but then, it, but on the other hand, you don't see this in films anymore, really. And I mean, yeah, I don't know. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's weird. It's like movies to me. You know, you know, I was what uh, eighteen when that movie came out. So, um, you know, to me, it, it, I guess if you showed a kid that now, they're used to the graphic stuff. Uh, you know, like it goes to like action movies of, of the minute. If you show yeah. someone the Stallone movie Cobra, it's probably boring to them. Uh, who's a fan of, say, the Fast and Furious franchise, right? Like the yeah, CGI and all that stuff. Um, so I, I just think probably the, the dark nature of the movie was, yeah, what made it, but what held it back. The uh, makes sense. I mean, you know, every movie has its flaws, but let's let's talk about the amount again. One hundred five thousand. <laughs> why, why is this so worth it to them? For for one hundred and five thousand. First of all, they would have had to have split it three ways. Um, why why this amount? And then why fifty two? I mean, I know that's what he had in his his bank account, but uh, is there a significance to this number? Guys? We don't know, yeah, I have no idea what one one hundred five. <laughs> Is Earl any thoughts? <laughs> but that's what I love about the movie is that it's such an obscure amount that it, yeah. it makes it more real. Like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, like a hundred and five thousand. Like, it, it is a, an amount that makes no sense from this. It's not like some secret code. Uh, it, it's just the it, yeah, and it's not like the just rounded one million dollars. You know, like yeah, <laughs> and, and you know, I'll assume. The fifty-two thousand was an homage to the card game fifty-two pickup, where you just throw all the cards around and, and like uh, I'll assume that might have some meaning. Uh, 
But, That's uh, what it is. I, I kept thinking. I said, "Why does fifty-two pickup sound so familiar?" And now I know. God, yeah. I'm an, idi- I'm an idiot. When you were a kid, some some jackass friend of yours would go, oh, "Hey, uh, you want to play fifty-two pickup?" And you're like, "Sure, what's that?" And then I throw all the cards on the floor, and you're like, "Asshole." <laughs> I mean, uh, I've always assumed that the movie was some kind of like hidden, almost Easter egg uh, tribute to that card game where all of Roy Scheider's cards were blown up and he's mm-hmm. spent the rest of the movie picking up the pieces. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Although I will say my favorite scene in the movie is when John Glover is with the two girls uh, filming uh, a threesome and then Clarence Williams comes through because he thinks that he's getting X'd out of the deal. And, yeah. uh, you know, John Glover and his black Speedos. With, <laughs> hey, Bobby. Uh get rid of the bitches <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> oh yeah that's that's great yeah because i love yeah the that scheider calls causes all this tension he first meets up with uh with well yeah he takes that picture of leo like i said earlier and then he meets up with um glover right or does he meet up with clarence first uh no i think glover He's, so yeah, he meets with with Glover. He meets him at the movie theater, um, and then you know he basically slaps him around a little. I like that he got it that little that chance to 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 do that to him. Um, but Glover still wasn't giving himself up. He was just like eh, you know. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> they had great chemistry, uh, which I yeah. think. What I really loved about the movie is the three bad guys. They had good chemistry with each other. Yeah. Roy Schneider and Glover had good chemistry. I mean, that scene where he goes to the porno theater to give him the $10,000. And I'm not trying to make it like it was he, uh, Pacino and De Niro in the diner in Heat. But it was like, <laughs> uh, there's something about your face makes me want to slap the shit out of it. That be was in, great. Yeah, be at the... Uh, my work midnight. He's like, I could be walking into something. Uh, you could be walking into surgery. It's like, <laughs> it's great. Uh, yeah. I love how, I love how Scheider gets that confidence. You know, he's just yeah. like, I got nothing to lose at this point. You know, just, you know, I, I'm going to try everything I can to, to protect what I have, protect uh, my wife and everything like that. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's great how it unfolds from there. And he turns, turns these guys against each other. And, you know, it's uh, like I said about him and Doreen, uh, Clarence and Doreen, that scene was crazy. And then he eventually goes to Leo, kills Leo and his partner and, yeah, that's that's when it all starts with uh, them just continuing to go downhill. Then uh, Glover turns on on Clarence, and yeah, then it's just uh, <laughs> it's just it's just downhill from there for for all of them. But yeah, I love that it's it is Roy Scheider picking up the pieces. You know, it's him him picking up fifty. He's picking up fifty two cards. Pick fifty two pickup. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I do like how you're right. Halfway through the movie, he almost had this like pro wrestler style confidence of like, no, no, I'm going to fight back. And, uh, you know, and then the bad guys almost started turning into the good guys because they were kind of like shrinking violets when he started fighting back. And yeah. Um, you know, they, yeah. And then they start feeling like they're under pressure, which is, yeah, yeah. like that. Like the tables were turned, to, I don't know, about maybe 60% into the movie. And 
um, you know, just the, I guess the, the car has the, the final tool of the demise of John Glover, <laughs> you know, which is something he loved throughout the movie. He would always mention the car and, yeah, you know, he, I think he probably at the end thought, Oh my God, I'm getting the car. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm getting the money and the <laughs> right. car. I want. Yeah. And, uh, well, that, well, and I love how right before that, yeah, I mean, it's you know, uh, Clarence dies, and then, um, <laughs> but then Doreen dies because they're like, uh, what do we do with her? I, I just let's just kill her too because she keeps really driving nothing. through, fence, <laughs> trying to get out. That was yeah, bad. yeah, much. <laughs> just just gets shot. But yeah, uh, Glover he he ends up uh, with the car with the money because that he he kidnaps uh, Scheider's wife. And you know, uh, I guess some sort of heroin. I, I thought it was yeah. maybe just a. And he raped her, right? I think we. What is yeah. It? Well, the yeah. interesting thing is the, and it's a very quick scene, but this is why I probably haven't fully made it in stand-up comedy, is because I retain information like this. But <laughs> the the guy who he buys the heroin from is the same guy who sells the heroin to Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon, the first one. Ah. And that's Anthony Kiedis's dad, you know, from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Really? Who in real life was a drug dealer. Wow. Just, Look at that. They just found him. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, your, dad, your dad's a drug dealer? Can Do you think he could... Uh... He could help us out in a couple films. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. I, I, for some reason, I don't remember. Uh, it's a very Robert. quick scene where they yeah. meet on one of the in, in Long Beach on the pier. And uh, I think Anthony Kiedis' dad says to John Lover, You did say you wanted a spoon, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Car, yeah. Right. I mean, you have to be paying very careful attention, which when you've seen a movie 700 times, you tend to pick up the nuances. <laughs> What's uh Earl, what's the last line in this movie? Oh, that's that's easy. Uh, well, uh, John Glover uh, puts on the radio, and uh, you hear Roy Scheider's voice going, Hello, Alan. Welcome to the first and the last 10 seconds of the rest of your life. <laughs> and then uh, the camera points to Roy Scheider, and you just see him go, so long, sport. <laughs> <laughs> and then kaboom. Because, <laughs> yes, Glover's character is uh, calling everyone sport the whole time, which I was like, why, is, why does he keep saying that? And then it's like, oh, it's it's for the payoff at the end. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it was very uh, Hell 9000-ish <laughs> when uh, Roy Schneider's <laughs> voice, when, when his voice comes out. It's like, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Dave. This conversation can serve no, long, <laughs> no, no further purpose. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> so he yeah. must not have not just been changing his spark plugs that night when we saw him in yeah. the garage, right? He was... He was playing According to Anne Margaret. If he was just changing his spark plugs, they wouldn't be in the position they were in. <laughs> so, my question is: so everyone, everyone who's involved in this conspiracy or whatever you want to call it, is uh, dead now. Besides Roy Scheider, so like he's the only one left alive. How does he get away with this at this point? <laughs> is my question. You know. You would think a car exploding on the Long Beach docks <laughs> would uh, cause a certain amount of legal attention. Uh, yeah. Yes. So. Yes. You, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I've never really thought about the, the future of uh, 
uh, of the movie after the car explosion. Uh, I was just so captivated by the 80s synthesizer. (laughs) (laughs) We're not worried about it. Let's just just pan out and fade to black and... well, and I love about these uh, old action movies too. That they they always have the similar score. Even Heat had this type of score. It was like like deep piano notes, doom doom, right. and then like yeah, it, it's uh yeah, they're all they're all the same there. But uh, but yeah, I was I was wondering. I was like, and then you know, not only did he cheat on her, but he then caused all this where she almost gets killed. But is she gonna take him back now? <laughs> it's uh you know. I, well, I also uh, love John Glover's commentary on the, you know, when he gives uh, Roy Scheider his wife back. It's it just one last little bit of humor out of him. Like, you got a fine bitch there, Mitch. She got a lot of miles on her, but she still cooks. Because, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's, is that the line we realize he raped her probably? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think yeah. the, uh, I mean, it, it is probably about as far as they could have gone when he actually injects her with the heroin and she starts to throw up and and he's like in his Johnny cool vibe. That's okay. Happens to everyone. Don't let it ruin your high. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like still enjoy it, you know, like, (laughs) Oh man, he's such a good actor. You know, he's gay in real life, but he, he plays a very believable, I guess, heterosexual killer. Speaking of speaking of that, uh, the um, the other Leo's character and the like helper guy at the strip club was there a thing going on with them? It seemed yes. like okay, yeah, I th- I thought so. I just wasn't sure. Like it seemed like yeah. in the eighties they were like, no, we don't show men kiss, but uh, we can we can allude to it. <laughs> yeah, I yeah was... it, well, you'd think in a movie like that that pretty much was a. Uh... A, a pretty black and white movie in terms of the subject matter and the, the graphic nature of the sex. And, you know, they wouldn't have a problem with uh, <laughs> some gay themed scene. Right. <laughs> they did seem to like kind of tiptoe around. Oh, we can't have an older guy making out with a young dude. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's just hint around it. Yeah, he like touches his lips or something. Like <laughs> uh, that's as, that's as far as we're gonna go. Cut. Cut. Yeah, uh, except <laughs> Lance yeah. Williams the third killed a young kid. Now let's let's get this gay stuff out of the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, got, yeah. we have to have to have some decency in this film, for God's sake. I mean, we'll do a snuff film, but leave out the gay stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but yeah, fifty-two pickup, man. Yeah, more people need to see this. Uh, if you haven't seen it, we we gave away a lot, but it's still enjoyable. Definitely check it out. Uh, did you, uh, Earl? Do you have any final thoughts you that we didn't mention? Any final thoughts on the film? Well, just uh, I try and expose this movie for many reasons, just because I love the cast. Uh, you know, John Glover, I think two years later, did a not a similar movie, but he did a movie called The Chocolate War, which uh, it, it was about an all boys school selling chocolates. And he's the evil, sadistic priest forcing the kids to sell chocolates. Uh, he's just so good in everything. I, I wish that he was more well known um yeah you know and he still acts to this day i think he does a lot of uh broadway and uh, oddly voiceover stuff and i think he plays lex luther uh in the one of the superman cartoons ah. uh, so okay just uh it, it's a great cast and uh 
it's a it's a master class and especially i don't like to say 80s specific but to be a bad guy i guess you'd say in the mid 80s kind of way i don't think there's any better uh viewing of a movie maybe hans von gruber and die hard yeah uh, it's very much a similar character with uh, it wasn't just a generic evil villain it was evil villain with a little bit of humor involved which i prefer yeah definitely yeah no yeah i i i really enjoyed uh watching this movie it was uh uh very surprising like i said i I wasn't expecting much from it i thought it was just gonna be a campy you know 80s movie but it ended up being an intriguing uh thriller you know just for any any day and age and uh yeah like you said the cast is just great and yeah they work well with each other the villains and everything like that well, I think it was a uh, just one more note in terms of the bad guy humor. Is if you notice after this movie came out, that the bad guys and in, in most movies in the eighties uh, started to have a little bit of humor involved in it. Like I think RoboCop came out a year later, and there was uh, you know Kurtwood Smith was somewhat playing a John Glover type evil, but with a little smidge of humor in it, and then <laughs> yeah. You know, Hans von Gruber, of course, and then, uh, you know, even, you know, like some Schwarzenegger movies in the late 80s, they they had, yes, the generic bad guy, but they'd always have a little bit of humor thrown in there. Uh, sure. Versus like the early, early 80s, it was, it was pretty much a, a paint by numbers, you know, evil drug lord, no humor, just more uh, graphic death than graphic death with the with a little pinch of humor <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so yeah i mean it's uh yeah one of one of those films that uh kind of yeah slipped through the radar for me for for many years but yeah so glad you recommended it and glad uh glad we got to watch it dave any final thoughts on it uh, i always remember john glover from his little role in scrooged as the uh, uh as the executive who comes in yeah. trying to just <laughs> fuck up bill murray's shit <laughs> uh Great role in that. Um, I like the intelligence of the movie. You know, there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot of times I laughed at some of the a little bit over the top parts, but it was out of pure enjoyment. And Earl, the the voiceover st- or the narration stuff is <laughs> you are so spot on on all of it. It's how exactly how it goes. It's so creepy and weird, and yet this 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 evil man is is very agreeable. He goes into Roy Scheider's office. He invites him in to check out his books. Turns out the guy, as we said, was, was an accountant. And we learn, well, he, while he's uh, while he's quite wealthy, he's not very liquid. He's got the IRS bearing down on him. Yes, he has this manufacturing plant, which is worth, you know, he has assets, but he doesn't have money. Um, so that's how they agree to, to, to the 52 to be picked up. Uh, but, that's what I like about this film is surprisingly deep, very well written. And I think the way it works is because it straddles right on the edge of going a bit too far over the top and being too campy. I think it works really well. I am so glad, Earl, that you picked this film. I'm so glad that I saw it. And I would uh, definitely recommend it to everybody listening to go go ahead and watch 52 Pickup. Yes, please. Uh, come for the plot, come for the cast, but stay for the... Uh side commentary by john glover and and some of the the dirtier scenes which kind of i think soften the blow of uh 
you know, the graphic nature of, of, of some of the things. And uh, I was so excited when I saw uh, your guys' podcast with Rick Overton. I'm like, oh, my God. I Let me tell you, I never reach out and ask to be on podcast just because uh, I'm shy in a weird way. <laughs> you wouldn't, if you saw me on Roast Bout, you wouldn't think, this guy's shy. Uh, <laughs> but I it was like, this is my chance to expose 52 pickup to the world. That's uh, awesome, man. Yeah, that's so. Thank you, we, guys. Because no. uh, I think it's a great podcast to, and I know you guys do like on the waterfront and bigger movies typically, but you also will have lesser known movies like Fifty Two Pickups. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a great, great service what you guys are doing. I tell you, man, I I'm I am um, and yeah, on the waterfront, obviously, great film. Uh, but I, I've I've come around recently. Um, have stripped I'm, I'm kind of over my snobbery about film and so uh, you know this is a you know it's all about your enjoyment and i think a movie like this to me no it's not on the waterfront but it's pretty damn good and i really really love watching this movie yeah definitely but yeah we really appreciate uh you reaching out and uh yeah it's uh yeah we 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 love talking movies even if you know it's not revered by uh many people we 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 love giving it a chance and uh in and hearing people who are passionate about it that's what we love is hearing people talk passionately about a movie they love so um but uh are you are you promoting any are you working on anything any projects coming up and uh where can people find you on social media I'm very boring in that regard. I'm the same handle on all social media. It's just my name at Earl Skakel. It, let me spell the last name for you. I mean, Earl's pretty standard E A R L. And then it gets a little wonky. Uh, Skakel is S K A K E L. Um, if you uh, Google my name, my cousin's murder trial pops up first. Just <laughs> glance through that stuff. Um, <laughs> in terms of what I'm up to right now, uh, I'm in a, yeah, no, it really sucks. That, that, that's a story for next next time you come on, we'll talk about that. Well, I do already have another movie picked out, and I know you guys probably it, it's it, Fifty Two Pickup is my favorite movie, my one A, and it, it kind of is the same theme of an, a somewhat obscure movie as the Surf movie Big Wednesday, uh, but uh, we'll. John Milius movie, all that stuff. Uh, the only thing I have going on right now, in full disclosure, is I'm on an all-black cartoon by Tyler, the creator, called The Jellies. Uh, I'm the only white guy on the show. I play the dad, Barry. So if you like cartoons, you can go on Adult Swim or HBO Max and Excellent. watch The Jellies, and you'll hear this deep baritone voice. That's awesome. It is, it is very beautiful. You're, you're you're the token white guy. Look at that. <laughs> Thank. Well, people have gotten mad at me. Like they said, you took a boy. You know, Tyler saw me at the comedy store, and he's like, "I want you to be my dad." And I was like, "Well, who are you?" Like, here's one of the biggest rappers in the world. <laughs> like, I'm Tyler, the creator, and I'm like, "Swell, I'm Earl, the comic. Uh, who are you?" <laughs> And that's how I got the cards. I think he enjoyed that I didn't know who he was because uh, I'm an 80s metalhead, you know, like, you know, Bon Jovi and stuff like that. So yeah. uh, <laughs> I got a lot of uh, some of his fans and, and just, uh, I, I guess, people who speak out for um, more African-American roles for African-American actors were like, why are you using a white guy when that could have gone to any African-American voiceover actor? And he's like, 
Uh, I've never heard a black guy with Earl's voice before. So, uh, you know. <laughs> sorry. I, awesome. this. I gotta hear this. <laughs> That's great. But uh, no, really appreciate you reaching out and thanks for coming on, my man. No, thank you. I look forward to Big Wednesday talks. So, whenever you need me, just uh, you guys have my info. There you have it, folks. 52 Pickup with Earl Skakel. Again, be sure to follow us on Twitter at BlockbusterCast, Instagram at BlockbusterMentality. That's where you'll get all the updates on the show. Uh, And again, rate and review us on iTunes. And uh, let us know what you thought of 52 Pickup. Did you enjoy it? Have you seen it? Let us know, and uh, we'd appreciate it. But uh, all right, folks, well, that is it for me. For Dave and Earl, I'm Ben. And as always, grab some popcorn, grab some snacks. We'll catch you guys at the movies. Movies.